If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Beautiful Humans, the social change cast, where behavior analysis and social justice collide. Join us as we aim to move the needle on personal and social change by tapping into the beautiful humans inside of all of us. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, or whatever medium you prefer to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Instagram at Beautiful Humans Change and on Facebook at Beautiful Humans, the social change cast. If you're interested in supporting this podcast, go to www.patreon.com slash beautifulhumans to become a Patreon. Welcome back, beautiful humans. It's Denisha. And this is Aaron. All right. Well, I guess we can get right down to the nitty gritty. We are joined today by Elkin Alfred, sorry, and Robin Williams, who are the podcast hosts of Black in the Days. Welcome, welcome. Thank Thank you for having us. We appreciate you inviting us onto your platform and for this mashup of podcasts. I've been admiring you you from afar, like, ooh. Robin always talks about you guys. So I'm super excited and nervous. Um, uh, Yeah, so I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank y'all for joining. As soon as uh, Robin posted the flyer the first day, uh, Aaron and I were texting like, get them on the show. So really? Yeah, how long ago was that that you all started your podcast? We actually started on Juneteenth. Yes, um, yes. Which was symbolic. Uh, for many reasons, and so this the the podcast was an idea that we talked about for two and a half years. Many people don't know this, but Elkin and I talk every morning on the way to yeah. work. Um, and so, and we've been friends for decades. And so we would talk and talk about all manner of things, but it all came back to being black women. And so that was that's our frame that we share everything through. And so um, that's how it kind of got born. So that's yeah. dope. I've been seeing your, um, and I get, we'll, we'll tell our uh, listeners more about you in a second, but I've been seeing your show posts and stuff like that and had the opportunity to listen. Um, when you all first got started, you know, life really sucks you dry and you don't get to listen to everything, but I definitely yeah. listened when it first rolled out and I'm going to do a better job um, going forward. But um, I saw that you just had uh, Jet Set and Jasmine on your show, who I also follow on Instagram as well. So I was like, that's really cool. I have to, that's on my to-do list to listen to it um, ASAP. But um, I love the content that you all put out. It's relevant to the Black community. And it's just dope. Like this month is, um, you know, Sexual Health Awareness Month. Is yes. That yep. And y'all, of course, were right there making sure to have those conversations this month. So it's really cool. Yeah. um, Jet Setting Jasmine is actually a friend of ours. And um, 
we were just honored to have them both on the show and to talk about all of the work that they do in the sex worker industry, um, all of the work that she does as a licensed uh, clinical social worker, I believe it is. Uh, she does a lot of work around intimacy and sexual health and sex positive parenting and it's been and polyamory and love and relationships and just all kinds of things that are taboo in our community, just bringing enlightenment and awareness to that. So it was a great episode. I can't wait for you to listen to it and um, email me, text me, whatever you're both of you, both of you, your feedback on it. Um, and it kind of opened our eyes up to some more things that we need to talk about within our community. So just last week, we booked a few episodes for our next season, which we're going to be starting to continue the discussion around sexual health and even um, bias, implicit bias, gender, gender identity within the Black community specifically, because there's so many um, Black trans women who have been murdered, injured at the hands of Black people. And so we need mm -hmm. to talk about it. We need to talk yeah. about what, what's really going on and what's the fear around that. So thank yeah. you for listening. I kind of went on a little tangent and I'll come back to whatever you need to say. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, Tangents you know, are okay. <laughs> that's, that's all the show is, honestly. A whole bunch of just, just tangents, a whole bunch of tangents. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but before we go any further, I guess we can take some time to introduce ourselves to the listeners. Um, so I will let anyone take it that wants to. Actually, let's let Elkin start because Elkin, this is your first time with us. I know. Um, so again, thank you for having me, having us. Um, so again, my name is Elkin. Uh, I go by Elkin Nicole on social media. Uh, I am a diversity, in equity, and inclusion professional. So I do part of that work in my daytime job and also in my consulting gig. I'm a blogger. Um, I love outdoor, like, concerts, live music. So I'm missing that right now during quarantine season. Um, hard. Um, I'm Haitian American. So that informs my experience and how I navigate the world. Um, and I'm really in this season where like anything is game. Like I'm just challenging myself in like new ways. I think that is the gift of quarantine. And I know I'm saying that from a place of privilege but it really has given me the opportunity to explore. And so that's what I love about podcasting is that our guests teach us things, right? So um, that episode with Jess Setting Jasmine was amazing. And so um, I'm just loving this journey that I'm in right now. So that's just a little bit about myself and Robin and I, we have been friends for decades. She is like my sister. Um, I love her so much because our I always say we have like a spiritual connection, our friendship. And so um, she knows if something is wrong without me even having to tell her, like we don't even have to be in the same, we're not in the same city, but she knows when something is up. So it's been fun doing this with her. And so when she told me about you two, she talks about you guys all the time, um, just how great you all are. So it really is an honor to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, I think that's like hands down one of the best introductions I've ever heard of somebody introducing themselves. It's like it's so awkward to do that. And it was just like, do you practice that? I mean, does it like because it just like rolled off like it was natural. <laughs> 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 she practiced it. She practiced it. 
<laughs> yes. You never know. Yes. <laughs> that is the hardest part. It's like, so tell me about yourself. You're like, Ugh. I know. I hate it. Yeah. It's because humility, like we're we're taught not to talk about ourselves, right? So it's like I can't yes. I can't toot my own horn too too loud because then I look yeah. you know arrogant or something. But, mm-hmm. and then, no, but yeah, and then people are like, I don't know what it is, but I really don't like it's them. It's like oh, because yeah. they got too much confidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. With okay. that said, yes. <laughs> With that said, who wants to go next? I guess I'm I the think last we should one. go next, Denisha. We'll okay. do, we'll like tag team it. Cool. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So I am Denisha. I am one of the co-hosts of the Beautiful Humans podcast. Uh, and I am a licensed and board certified behavior analyst. I also have a background in mental health. My master's degree in counseling comes from University of Baltimore. Um, I am so interested. I am a clinician, a clinician, a clinician by heart. Um I really care about impact and making a change in individuals' lives. And so I think that is what resonates the most with me. And when we started this podcast, thinking about the ways in which the words can touch people to action, not just, you know, so that they could listen and that we, you know, become talking heads, but that they listen and say, it's time to do something. And so those are, you know, that's the part of the work that really resonates with me and that I find value in. Um, I do a lot of um, workshops around, you know, becoming an accomplice or a change agent. So once again, moving back to that, like the behavior piece, like what are you going to do tomorrow? <laughs> what you going to do the next day? What you going to keep doing? How you going to show up? And um, I've recently gotten kind of thrown into a role not really though um but i i've been doing a, a few um diversity and equity and inclusion um speaking engagements and i will be doing more of those as the time rolls through um and then which it all rolls into the same thing you know um we talk about um diversity and equity or diversity and inclusion um being its thing and then when you put in equity and justice and making sure that the environments have everything that you need for all of us to succeed and so always you know i say like you can't have the d and i without the e and the j without the equity and the justice so um that's a little bit about me. I'll probably go on way more rants tonight. I kind of want to like take Elkins, you know, what I've been enjoying about quarantine type of thing. <laughs> what have you been enjoying? Go ahead. Uh, nothing. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, I was talking to Aaron yesterday and we were having a conversation. One thing I've been realizing is I've been doing really good at honoring commitments and not as well as uh, at honoring myself. So I have been... I'm going to be taking up more of that and making sure that I'm doing a, a great job of, you know, honoring myself, but then also still extending grace because we we forget all the time, at least I do, that we're in the middle of a freaking pandemic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever we're doing is good enough because we're in the midst yeah. of a freaking pandemic. So, yeah, yes, but I have enjoyed being able to speak to folks like y'all during the pandemic and still taping and doing shows. So. I'm excited about tonight because it's a it's a good break from the day. I'm Robin Williams. I am a cisgender black woman, Florida native, born and raised, which is a very rare thing, actually. Um, I've been in the fields of applied behavior and analysis for about 22 years now. I've been a behavior analyst for almost 22. 
I did not uh, know that. I'm sorry. The first time I took my test, I failed. When I first became a BCABA, <laughs> I failed. And, and anyway, but um, I'm passionate about all things around education, exceptional education, race, um, equality, racism, um, spicy food, Thai food, <laughs> outfast, outdoor concerts, my husband, my children. Um, a yoga teacher, but not like for real. I just did the YTT 200 and for my own self, but I don't really do it all the time. So it's, it's inspiring to see like rock stars in our field doing amazing things and affecting social change. So thank you for the invite. I think that's like one of the best compliments ever. Is you that just said makes, that. <laughs> it makes that intro. As that intro that's like the best compliment I think that that I've heard like people say that you know they're so glad that you know we talk about these things but that we make you think and I I, I don't know I just I just love that because I think just going back to what Denise and I were talking about the other day it's you know it's about impact and it's not just talking heads not just sitting here having conversations mm-hmm. because you know we want some sort of accolade or you know a bunch of likes on social media or anything like that it's to to create some sort of change and in order to do that you have to make people think you know they have to change to interrogate you know what what they know to be true so um yeah that was two different things elkin's like in introduction your compliment (laughs) on point so um i guess that's my turn right yes it is all right. So my name is Aaron. I'm the other half of Beautiful Humans. Um, I am a non-binary trans human. Um, I'm white. I actually just moved to Florida. Not even long enough to like realize what Florida actually is. I just asked when you all turn the heat down because it's like <laughs> miserable right now. I was just sitting outside. Just, I walked outside and I started sweating. And I'm like, what is this? Um, <laughs> you choke on the air it'll i'm sure it'll turn down at some point but i love it down here honestly 100 it was um best decision i think i've ever made um i've been a behavior analyst for since 2014 um i mainly teach right now um you know i was in clinical work but that that is not my passion um i have yet to actually figure out what that what that is um but it's not within like traditional behavior analysis um but right now i teach uh, in a graduate program i'm in a doctoral program i'm just now like starting the dissertation coursework stuff like prep Ooh. course so um i'm really into that looking at prejudice from like a relational frame theory perspective so um and how we can change that so it's not just like you know how do we develop all of these thoughts and behavior patterns and things like that. But what the hell can we do to change that? Um, and, and so uh, I think like educationally or academically like that, that's my main interest right now. But um, I really love like your introductions where you're saying you, you love all of these things and the joy that, that you contact uh, my partner, Chris and I, we just bought a camper, which I've always wanted to do. So we're about ready to, to take that. Um, I've got um, five kids that live up in West Virginia. And so we're going to travel up there and camp with them for the weekend and then like make our way back down. I also I think I'm, like really in deprivation from like the outdoor music or just like music, live music in general. Like I'm just, I, I didn't really even realize how, I guess I took it for granted and now it's not here, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, um, but yeah, it's uh, I love Florida. 
I have to say that. I know I just complained about the weather, but I do. I love it down here. Um, but yeah, so I'm super excited about this conversation yeah. that we're about ready to have. That's great. Welcome. I want to error correct myself because that's that's the behavior change. You know, when you make mistakes, you error correct. But I didn't tell your listeners who are listening my pronouns. I'm Denisha Sheher. And I also want to tell y'all where I'm from because I like where I'm from. St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> the Midwest. <laughs> All right. All right. What are you well, well, hang on. Just since you gave your pronouns, mine are, I use gender neutral, like, um, so they, them, but gender neutral language in general. Mm-hmm. And I do know, because generally, too, because I, I, I've come into contact, too, where they're like cultural, like, language. And it seems like, and I think it actually happened, Robin, like the last time you were on here, it was like yeah. um, to reference and to say girl a lot. And it's like this change in behavior that that mm-hmm. I've come into contact with a lot lately. So in the event that that happens, we'll just air correct. We will. Um, so, and yes. it's probably happened a couple times already with you guys. Um, and so I, I'm going to ask for grace. And I'm sure Elton will ask grace. for grace because we're all in yes. the space of learning. Um, that's what I love about being with people that allow me to learn and allow me to be like, Hey, um, that's not okay with me. So I need you to be aware of that because I have to do that racially. So I, I absolutely understand. And so thank you for that, Grace. You know what this, I'm sorry, this wasn't planned, but one part of the after that conversation the first time that we all had together when we realized I was you know having a conversation with a friend and there's such a as a black woman in our conversation right like girl you know that's just how we speak so I could be speaking to my partner who is a man and being like girl let me tell you what I did today and Um, so Right. Yes. And so like that, it really, it really flows out. And um, I was, there was another um, example that I gave my friend and I can't remember anymore, but just talking about those differences and how um, quickly those things roll off the tongue, because that is how we're kind of used to speaking. Culturally. To yeah. Culturally used to speaking to everybody like girl could plan. But Bye-bye. I think too, you know? but I think here's the thing is when you know that, and you know that that terminology in in your culture spans gender and it and it is used broadly like for me that that's different you know Mm. and it's not um that to me is not erasing like my identity in a sense you could truly see who i am that's why like the hey guys like i know a lot of people don't like that and i tried to like eliminate that too mainly not because i feel like i'm misgendering people mainly because that holds like the patriarchy and all that stuff and gives power to all and i'm just like i'm done with that part you know and so that to me is more for that purpose um and why everybody is then assumed to be male in a sense the but you know when it's when i learned that that is that that's what that means um you know when you all are talking to um to each other then that's it's to me that's different the function of that is different and i can see past that at least you know that that doesn't have the same impact i agree Aaron. i mean to the space that I can agree, it's different than the function of a teacher, which I often train when a teacher is like, come on, boys and girls. That's different than, than a, a group of people um, using that kind of terminology in a very familiar and cultural way. Um, it does not erase the fact that we should be more aware. Yeah. 
because things are changing and we need to ever be changing and evolving and understanding the, the identities of the people who are in our communities and honoring those identities. 100%. And when we don't look at how deeply embedded gender is into our language as a whole, that's where the true issue really, really lies. When we're just focused on pronouns and and like um, saying ladies and gentlemen or things like that, we don't really see the, the stereotypes and how deeply enmeshed it is into everything that we do you know even i think actually robin you posted something online um like a meme and it was like something about rough and tumble boys or something like that and it had i been in like a better mental space i would have like reached out and been like my girls who identify as girls are like more rough and tumble than anything and i'm sure that that's like not what what the intention was but for me it's like when those things show up it's those things that then reinforce those stereotypes over and mm. over and over again or it's the homeschool moms it's because dads apparently don't homeschool or any other parents right. don't homeschool it's but it's those if you start to analyze gender stereotypes within everything it really starts it's just it's everywhere and it's overwhelming absolutely and it happens with racial racial stereotypes too and when we begin yes. to talk about identity and oppression and and, and we're going to get mm -hmm. to a lot of things if we have the time to but when we start to think about like the roots of those types of oppression, um, racial stereotypes are embedded that way as well. When mm -hmm. we talk about uh, or think about the suburban mom, who are we thinking about? We're not thinking about moms who look like me. So mm -hmm. we, you know, I, I believe I agree with you, Erin, and and in part of combating that and changing behavior is being aware of all of those things. And I think that it begins, the foundation is racism and racial oppression. And then we can look at all of those other types of oppression around that. I think you were going to say something out there or no, 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 I think I was, yeah, no, I just, now that I'm sitting here and listening to this conversation, I'm just thinking about like my own work and the spaces that I operate in and how unintentionally I reinforce those like that system right and just how my my daily conversations and even i'm thinking about some of the programs that we fund right in my in nonprofit and like the verbiage like the criteria we use um so i'm i'm a little blown away now just just by this little piece of conversation because now i have to revisit so many things that i do that i just didn't think you know, and I'm in this DNI space, right? And I still didn't think about that, the larger context of how it impacts so many different people and systems as a whole. So I'm, I, w I need to take down some notes because I feel like I need to go back <laughs> to the office. I Well, I think what Robin just pointed out was perspective, right? Is, you yeah. know, and, and Denise and I too, we asked people, you know, what is the identity that you think about the most from day to day, right? And is the thing that is the most salient, the thing that sticks out the most to you. And generally that's like your most oppressed identity, right? Right. Yes. And so that's the perspective that I'm coming from where Robin, Elgin, Denise, you all might be coming from a different one right and so mm -hmm. i think that that's why like having you can't just one person doesn't have all the, the solutions doesn't have all the answers it's because yeah. they only have a certain perspective so yeah absolutely and back to like you know to the ingraining part like especially with gender like it really is ingrained too i like even the fact that for you know you look at literature 
for um, evidence-based practices. And you'll see gender or, you know, yes. very gender, she, her, him, um, and his, and he, and, and that's it. And there's nothing else included there. I was with a client today and we were playing with dolls and he chose the doll. And as we were playing, I was like, can you describe this doll? Like, you know, and, and he's like, it's for girls. And I was like, but you're playing with it. Like, you know, you know, and, but like the, the things that are taught um, in our everyday conversations, like, oh, and, and that's the RFT stuff that you're studying to Aaron. Like when we start to categorize things like, oh, this is a doll. Dolls are for girls. But then, so then what happens? Like, when you're playing with these dolls and like, do the, how do we break down these gender stereotypes in that way? But, you know, and I always say, Robin, to your point, too, is like when we when we think about intersectionality, like you, you do have to think about dial that dial that down. to, And then gender when gender is um, the converse in the conversation, you put an extra um, layer on that with race and you're going to get a very different experience. Right. And, and so, yeah, those are all good points to be made. I, I just want to say one more thing before we get into the stuff that we really wanted to talk about. <laughs> it's, it's tangent. It's tangent. I, I can't I, control I it, Robin. It goes where it goes. <laughs> I know, but I'm a behavior analyst and I want to control a certain manner of things. Uh, and I'm a Virgo. Um, I believe in that. But when we think about literature and research, and particularly within our field, right? And and all of the demographics just came out from the BACB. And I've talked to other friends um, about the lack of representation for gender and race. And I think that because gender identity and gender expression is a fairly new term and idea that people are becoming familiar with and starting to accept. So there was no frame of reference for them to begin to think about, wait a minute, there are humans who are not represented within this research, within this literature. It's fairly new. I, I would venture to say maybe 25, 30 years. So I feel like the onus is on us and for people who actually want to be conspirators i think you guys use a different term but i like conspirators because when we you're conspiring to. you're thinking about wait a minute mm -hmm. hold up wait hold this yes. thing right i'm gonna i'm about to do this when you when you begin to look at what the work that we want to do then the onus is on us to do that research and to mm -hmm. do that and to make sure people are represented which is why i love your podcast which is why i love the work that you're doing because it's evident in what you're doing that this is the the change we plan to make right now. So I, I just want to throw that out there too. So for one of the things is like with gender, it's like, you know, on the mainstream, I guess, to say like, it's, it's just becoming um, more attention is being focused, but gender has been ex existed since forever. Like you go back yes. to indigenous folks and, and they had two spirits. Two and spirit. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so like, or you go back to even, I won't, I know some people might say, it, but like you go back to biblical and you like, do you have different things um, mm -hmm. or different verbiage, I should say that um, paints a picture that gender was ignored, but at some point it was normalized for, 
certain um, uh, cultures and populations. I especially look to the indigenous folks to to um, to give us that information because that is part of it. There is no you know, just man, woman, like there's so many different ways to explain your expression. And then we, you know, geared up to now going further into the 2000s where we're just like, oh, okay, we need to do a better job at not ignoring the population anymore. Um, but, it, you know, it's always existed going back to even, you know, the Stonewall uh, riots and mm -hmm. that, <clears throat> what is that, like 60 years ago now? Mm -hmm. Um, and mm -hmm. so, you know, it's been, it's, it's been floating and, um, it, it definitely is up to us, like you said, Robin, to be co-conspirators and make sure that, and I can't wait to hear the conversation that y'all do about our community. Um, I've gotten so much over the years, um, for being a co-conspirator for our black trans sisters, for our black trans siblings and from cis black men or cis black women who are like, what's your problem? Are you trans? Like, you know, or why you go so hard for the trans population? And it's like, because those are our siblings, period, at the end of the day. So, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, I hope that we continue to push, um, put attention on it and do that research and do those readings. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage listeners, like, just, you know, Google is your friend. I mean, there's tons of information out there about the historical a uh, place of people who are non-binary, like it have existed since the beginning of time, right? So this idea that this is new, when people say that, I'm like, no, it's not new. If you even look in archeologists, they'll have in caves, you'll see depicting very clearly multiple genders, not just the binary. So I think, um, you know, we have to be honest in, and even in our conversation to make that clear that though we now have the language, the word for it, it may be in our current times, that it isn't just, it's not just here in the last 30 years. This, since the beginning of time, um, we've had a diverse a spectrum of the gender represented in human and human society. And not even just represented, but like they were regarded as like yes. some yes. of yes. the like, celebrated celebrated like that's a perfect word yeah it's like uplifted upheld as something yes. that, yeah. that that should be honored and it's like now it's like okay yeah we just y'all exist you can have like your little checkbox on a form over here mm -hmm. and like that's you know it goes from complete erasure to mm -hmm. um okay now like you just said robin is like there's this whole new term you know it's like where did it go for yeah. the past you know however many centuries millennia whatever yeah. you know like yeah <laughs> so it was considered yeah. to be a gift right it was mm -hmm. a gift it, you were a date considered a deity so i think that's important to note in this conversation yes yeah that's a whole nother that's a whole nother uh you know podcast episode is like you know how we got from there to here i actually just wrote a paper yes. on it you know and it's like here from here and 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 the power and control of like women and reproductive rights and slavery and, and all of that stuff and um and it's just god it's hard to to read you know it's it really is anyway Woo! All right, we done. This was heavy. No. <laughs> right before we got on, Denisha was like, "I think we should start with this topic because it's not as heavy. It's like lighter." I know, right? <laughs> We're just like, screw that. We're just gonna dive right into something completely different. Exactly. <laughs> not even on the list. Right. Right. For real. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 
hard pivot <laughs> to Kanye. Pivot, pivot. Um, Kanye, what do y'all want to talk about with Kanye? I, so there's so many ways we could go. Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. go lately. You know, let's talk about Kanye in the music industry who right now is calling for essentially he thinks he's the Nat Turner, right? Of the music industry. He's trying to free the slaves. Um, And he essentially is saying that he doesn't want to watch it continue to happen. So he's Nat Turner and he's putting his life on the line right now to blow the whistle on the music industry. And yeah, so that is Kanye. Okay, pause for a second. Okay. R- real fast, explain to me how we got from Kanye West in the White House wearing a, a Make America Great hat again with President Trump to here. Like what I've, I, I, pop culture for me is like, I, I, I have checked out of it, to be honest. I just, so I don't know, like maybe give me like a download and what has happened. Part of my interpretation of Kanye, and this is just my interpretation, and I'm not a licensed mental health professional. I just want to put that out there. Part of my interpretation of Kanye is that he is a person who is needing a lot of mental health help, and he's talked about it openly. I think Mm -hmm. with the the death of his mother that triggered a lot of things in him um, that caused him to seek out solace, peace, understanding, meaning in other relationships and his career. And so you have, I think he's an amazingly gifted and talented creator. I think that everyone on this podcast is a creator. And so when you live in a certain space, your mind kind of goes places, right? But when you cannot rein it in, then it goes places that are undesirable sometimes and places that you can't necessarily control And so with him, I think the death of his mom was a trigger. I think that his public um, affirmation, acknowledgement, support of Donald Trump and the backlash he received from the black community that so loved him before continued to hurt and traumatize him in a way that he was not expecting. Um, and then on top of that, later, there's just so many layers. Like, I don't even think Kanye West is an easy topic. On top of that, he recently, maybe two years ago, a year and a half ago, came out with a gospel album that was great, but it received a lot of critical acclaim from the Black community. Because if one thing Black people are is we hold fast to our religion, generally mm. speaking. And yeah. so you're putting this image out and then you're coming with this other kind of juxtaposed image and identity of this now gospel singer. He got a lot of backlash for that too. So I think trying to find a space where he fits and where his voice can be heard um, has been his motive. Um, and, and, and now for him to be like, I'm leaving the music industry, me and slaves and shackles. And he says things that I think are reinforced by attention, but I think also that attention um, impacts his behavior in different ways. He, anyway, that's my short take on Kanye because I think it's much deeper than what we could even begin to, to think about. Okay, so I'm again, I'm not a licensed mental health counselor. I'm not a licensed clinician. 
do you think that possibly, because I know he's been very open and honest about his diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Do you think also there's a component of narcissism, maybe narcissistic personality disorder that may feed into this, this godlike complex, this idea that he has all the information. He's the person who needs to save, you know, black people. Um, he knows what's the best. I think, because there's a part of me when we talk about the death of his mother that it's like, and again, I don't mean to sound harsh, but lots of people lose parents, right? Doesn't mean that they go into this spiral that he is in. So there's a part of me that wants to hold him accountable for not really seeking or using the behavioral health services that I think that can help him manage some of these um, thoughts that he has. Um, because I think the issue that I have with him personally, and again, this is me speaking for myself, is because he's a person of influence that has a power, um, the damage that he's causing around the discourse related to Black people and our political agenda. Um, and so I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm losing patience with him because I understand that he's someone who's sick and I, who, I really do think so. I think he's someone who's sick and who needs help. Uh, but he's causing a lot of damage to not just himself, but I think to this movement of us trying to achieve equity. Um, and then he wants to turn around and say, you know, just five months ago, slavery was a choice, right? When <laughs> Just five months ago, he was yeah. with the TMZ guy talking about how slavery is a choice. And now he's talking about slavery in the music industry. Like, wh what is it, Kanye? Like, is slavery a choice or like, or are our systems in place? Are you choosing right. to be enslaved within the music industry? Right, right. right. Yeah, so I think that's how I feel about Kanye. I'm just, I'm, but I will say though, his the gospel artists and the the church services that he has if you are a fan of music and voices the people Amazing. he gather on sunday to sing even if you're not a spiritual person you can't tell me you don't feel something yeah because it's just so powerful so yeah he's musically he's a genius mm -hmm. yeah so i think with kanye even you know you brought up the narcissistic personality disorder and, you know, I'm not in the diagnosing business um, at all, but I think it, you know, you're tacting something and labeling like some of the outward things that we see with him. Like he just comes off very grandiose. Like then that is mm -hmm. a clear indicator of MPD or one of, I should say one of the indicators of uh, MPD and, you know, believing that he's like, so different so special so unique and like these are great things that we want to teach everyone like we are unique but then there's like this certain level um attention seeking is one of the mm -hmm. indicators right um lacking of empathy um being able to like be intimate or form intimate uh, relationships with others but and then also it's that like sense of entitlement so i think that's mm -hmm. the like biggest part that's coming here like we don't hear from kanye west until he feels like 
he should have something that he doesn't have because he is Kanye West. And now he wants everyone mm-hmm. to come on board to join his mm-hmm. cause. But before that, there's a lack of empathy there, right? That slavery was a cho- like, you don't have empathy towards your ancestors, my dude. Like, huh? And, there, mm-hmm. you know, we see the also, the also the lack of empathy, right, with folks that are right now undergoing oppression and, and him clearly drawing lines and I, I, I take that as a lack of empathy, but um I think that there are some, you know, behavioral principles too at play with him. You know, behavioral principles definitely in terms of like the attention seeking, like we what, we haven't talked to Kanye in a while. We haven't heard from Kanye in a while. He's like, I gotta do something else, you know. Mm-hmm boom here um but he's really but then also just what he's calling for us to do in terms of everyone else is to break away from the music industry so he's like telling everybody else like you need to put them on extinction um so that we can quote unquote free ourselves i think my biggest thing with kanye is i just wish that i i used to love kanye i have vinyl kanye okay i have the vinyl (laughs) and you know the kanye the I miss the old Kanye. Like, that's all it is. Like, I miss the old Kanye. I wish that he would use his power in a way. And the thing is, actually, Kanye's current issue is totally correct. There's no getting around that. Like, you know, the music industry, how they do play people. But it's just the fact that Kanye didn't care as Kanye was sitting on his millions and billions until he got screwed by someone else. And it's just like, but what about the young brothers, the people that you sit next to every day that's also playing people in the music industry who also have their own power and you said nothing or will say nothing. And so that's the the whole part of the selfishness part. It didn't matter to you until it hit home. So that's the that's the one thing I got against Kanye right now. I wish he would come back. But in terms of like getting getting the help that he needs, it's really hard um, when there's support that is offered to you. But, you know, you also have to be able to extend the hand back at some point. And we do blame a lot on women. I You know, I remember the first time when people were like, well, what's Kim doing? Like, why oh. isn't she taking care of him? And it's like Kanye needs support. And Kanye needs support. And like, that's the end of the sentence. And you can't really blame caretakers around them for, you know, not quote unquote, being able to handle an individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a, thinking about, I think Elkin, you were the one that said, you know, he's in such a position of influence and power and going out and saying these things. Um, <laughs> like what kind of damage can that can that do? Because I think I think you said something about like political agenda and things like that. You know, I've come into contact recently with a lot of people who if they've got a certain belief or they want to confirm a certain idea that they have, they can go find the one person in that group that is going to confirm whatever they need. And they're going to use that as evidence. Exactly. And so like with adding on influence of somebody in, with such, you know, a broad reach, like what? What's the ramifications of that? Huge. And that's why I have that's why I have issues with Kanye, because I just know there's a part of the black community who still loves Kanye and particularly black men. Right. Who will hear him or see him with Donald Trump and think that's a viable option for us when that is not. And so. um And I'm not someone who thinks that because you're a certain race or gender, you have to belong to a particular 
political party. But this current political party is just, isn't Republican party, it's just not an option, it's not viable. Um, and so because he's aligned himself with them, I'm thinking about like, you know, the upcoming election and maybe a couple of states like the one that we're living in right now, Florida, we need all the votes that we can get because this is Supreme Court justices we're talking about, rest in power to RBG. Um, and so I think the issue just that I have with him is that he's not willing to really educate himself too on a lot of the issues around systemic racism, the impact of it, um, because I think if he really took the time to really educate himself. There's, and even just listen to the words and the history of what President Trump has done in his life over the course of his life. Like I just, to me, it just doesn't make any sense while anyone, particularly people who are part of marginalized communities would align themselves with someone like him. Um, so yeah, I hope I answered your question. You did. And again, that's, a, it seems like a light topic, you know, but I think that mm -hmm. that's one of the things it's like, man, you could get really deep with that. Um, but I'm wondering if, um, because we, before we pressed record, Robin, you had brought up something because you just, you know, brought up Florida and something that was happening in Florida. I don't know if that, no. Ooh. Yes. Oh my God. Oh, yes. oh. Uh, Denisha was shaking her head. No. And I was like, wait, I know, uh, right? No? Like, yes. No, no, I'm shaking my head. Like, no, like, what is going on? Because Denisha has no words. That's right. So, <laughs> you know, Elgin, you just brought up, you know, Florida and the current political, um, you know, the the way that the, the Republican Party is right now, I guess, um, mm -hmm. you know, the people that are in it. I, I, I'm just learning about politics now. So um, and reading uh, some books that have really kind of laid out the picture of when I was younger, like I, you know, wasn't cognizant of what was happening you know back when reagan was president and things like that and i'm just now realizing all of that and the damage even that the democratic party has done with like yes Clinton and things yeah. like that too so it's not you know it's not just one um right but i mean robin and and Oak, you were just telling us about what was going down in florida recently so i think that that might be yeah so yesterday i think this is more challenging is when you hear people around you do you want to pick that battle are you willing to pick that battle? Sometimes it's not worth it. Like they're a stranger or they're just like a friend of a friend and you don't want to go there. And then sometimes like you do know this person, you know that you're going to see them again and you do want to inform them. Like they need to know, you know, right? Right guys? Yeah. No, 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 you're good. No, well, you have to say something. Hello? No, you're, no, my brain starts going, you said something yeah. about, um, <laughs> Earlier, you said something about power, um, and I think about power, power dynamics when that comes in. It's like if I'm at work or, or something, maybe not, not so much now, but maybe back, you know, at agencies that I've worked at that have had, um, you know, very high tiers. And if I was to hear my boss say something like that, like, I, it's not safe to, to say that. I could lose yeah. my job. And at that point, yeah. I was like the sole um, provider for, for uh, uh, all my kids. And, and it's just like, you know, you start weighing. Um, is it safe to say something like that because of that power dynamic there? So I think mm -hmm. sometimes that plays a plays a role in it too. I don't know. Yeah, no, I assure you, I was listening. I was just thinking, I was like, hmm, how is yeah. that showing up? When would I say something? When wouldn't I? 
So I was thinking, and this is kind of off topic, um, but while you were speaking about, you know, in-group issues and and really what you're uh, labeling, right, um, is that like the dynamics that occur. I'm thinking about, I started to think about my group um, and how we've like kind of regurgitated, not kind of, we have mm-hmm. regurgitated the mm-hmm. messages um, and, you know, we call that internalized depression. And what happens, you know, when people label like, you know, not feeling um black enough for my group Mm -hmm. definitely too black for uh white people um I was just starting to think about like what tends to happen in our community is like um and I don't know if if you could speak to this either AJ but I feel like a lot of times we end up looking at I mean and this is just looking at white as like the standard right and so Mm -hmm. we're willing to kind of like reduce who we are make jokes about ourselves but like white is going to be like right and no matter so it could be you don't speak enough spanish but um say to a person who is not um latinx or hispanic um but they're white and they attempt and they say like grassy ass or whatever but uh, like (laughs) do you find that that still is okay to like, you know, your folks were like, I'll give you an example. Like, um, let's say, and I don't want to just name off just like stereotypical stuff, but let's say I, um, say something that's a colloquialism in my community and it's like wrong. And it's like, uh, uh-uh, that's wrong, blah, blah, blah. But if, you know, somebody that is white tries to even attempt it. It's like, oh, that, you know, they're kind of cool. Like it's, it's still going back to the standard of like white is right, no matter what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get like kind of the benefit of the doubt versus, you know, you know, there's this harsh uh, reality. And I don't want to um, skim over that without once again, dropping the term internalized oppression. Cause I'm not creating a way that um, sounds like accusatory over marginalized folks and for folks in my community or your community as well. Mm-hmm. Like this is stuff mm-hmm. that we learn, but do you notice like that trend that white people kind of can skate, or, skate around um, with yes. just like bare minimum of whatever? Oh yeah. So I went on a, a vacation with one of my best friends and I love her. And even if she was listening, I'd say this to her face. So it's fine. Um, she had, well, it's true. I don't she doubt had, you that you would. That's the thing. You're so direct. <laughs> <laughs> so she's amazing. She has her master's degree in English, Spanish teaching, and she's like clear. She's so white. So she speaks perfect Spanish, right? So we're in Mexico and she's with her husband. I'm with mine. And we sit down at a restaurant and the waiter looks at me and starts speaking Spanish, you know, and I'm just kind of looking at him like, Oh, sorry, you know? And, and then she starts answering, you know, and they start making jokes and he's laughing and she's laughing. And then he kind of looks at me and just like shakes his head. And like on the inside, I'm like, damn it. Another loss to my culture. You know what I mean? Like it's okay because she speaks Spanish, but you, you should know better, you know? So I get that stuff all the time. Like people here joke about it. Like, oh, you don't speak Spanish. Like, oh, you must be ashamed. Ha 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 ha. It's like, well, like really? Come on. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like you're not going to be enough for this culture. You're just because you exist. You're not going to be enough over here. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. I understand. And I'll take it like, 
I have I've been like that with um some of my friends that are Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Um and I've been like, "Oh, you don't speak Spanish?" But my first immediate thing is that not not one that I'm just asking out the blue like, "Oh, you don't speak Spanish." Like I know that they don't speak Spanish. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, but I immediately feel bad because I think about the history of this country that forced individuals that came over here mm-hmm. um, or was forced over here to assimilate. That's right. And That's right. you can't speak Spanish if you or you can't speak your mm-hmm. uh, native tongue because you want to survive here. And so that's immediately like what m- my mind goes to. And I'm just like, I, I get upset because I get upset a lot. You know, just the fact mm-hmm. that that's the historical component of it, that um, people's parents who were first generation came over there and they were able to keep their language, but they want it, quote unquote, better for their children uh-huh. and decided you don't need you don't need this part of our culture. You're going to do better if you speak English. Yes. And it's interesting because, you know, in hindsight, I've never asked my parents why they didn't directly teach us, my sister and I, Spanish. But in thinking about it, I mean, they both grew up in a very discriminatory time. You know, my dad, he was like one of the only Hispanics at Caltech. And he was told straight up by his high school teachers he was going to be a nobody. He wasn't going to do anything because he's a Mexican from, you know, from nowhere, San Antonio, you know what I mean? And so it's, I could see, I could see that point to that end that they're just like, you know what, let's just make sure that you can go here, have these opportunities. That is just another way that you could be considered too Hispanic, you know, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I've never asked them that, but I'm wondering if that's what the justification is, but Mm -hmm. I still get all the time, you know, AJ, you don't speak Spanish. You know, and it, I can't help but have like a private event, like of shame, you know, They're like I don't and I do and I'm going to learn. But that's because I want to not because societal pressures. But uh, this is a good this is a good segue, actually, into the second the second name or the word. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is. It's perfect. It's it like perfect. perfect. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk. Our second keyword is merit. And yes. you want to talk to us about why Hang on, spell it. Yes. Spell so, that. M-E-R-I-T. There you go. So I was talking about my parents and they're very special people. I love them. Uh, My dad has two PhDs. My mom has her MBA. She's started her own company. They're very big into education and working for what you have. Like you can't just get things just because you think you're owed them or whatever. And she named me, I, my, my legal name is Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N, but I changed it to AJ. I'll get to that in a second. But um, she named me Adrian, so with the boy spelling, so that when I submit a resume for work that they can't, they don't know if I'm a man or a woman. So they have to judge me by the merit of the work that's on the resume. And when I was younger, I, I didn't understand that. You know, I'm like, it's a boy's name. I have a boy's name, you know. But now that I'm older, I'm like, that is freaking badass, man. And so my daughter, she has a gender ambiguous name, too, because it's like I, we don't need another thing to be knocked for. You know what I mean? Like, let's just let, let it be about the work. Let it be about the quality and your merits and your education. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather give her a leg up and that way. So 
I want to break down all the barriers that require people to have to shift from how they want to name their kids to having <laughs> to do things like that. And, and, and no, no shade or harm for, I, I get it. Like it, it's, it's part, it happens. It's part of um, our stories. Like my name is Denisha. You have never met anyone else <laughs> from another race uh, named Denisha. It's not going to happen. Um, and, you know, and it's something that we, especially uh, folks in my community, like, you know, there's so many jokes about our names and, and like for us to have to shift, like what is important to us for some mm-hmm. reason, somebody thought about this name, like they named you and called you specifically this thing. It was important to your parents for mm-hmm. a reason. And then mm-hmm. I have to like shift that because the world is going to judge you immediately as soon as they see your name on a job application. Mm-hmm. And we know that's true. And and your mm-hmm. parents knew that was true. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's data that tells us that it's still true. <laughs> that's right. Um, so that's the hopeful part. I get angry, but I'm so hopeful that the world is going to change one day. And it will. It's already starting to. Can I mark yeah. that down as one of your rants, Denisha? Yeah. Is this number one? <laughs> this number one. I think I've been doing would, good on the rants lately. She's been doing great. I don't, I, you know what? She's teaching. She's reframing. Oh, I you I know? look forward to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's my oh, thing. I love it. This is why I keep my right. friends circle down because they can't they can't handle me ratting all day. <laughs> you, you know, speaking of speaking of names, um, I I had uh, reached I, I changed the um, I haven't legally changed it yet, but changed the spelling of my name yes. um, because there was that stimulus control of what yes. people are talking about. When you hear that name, you automatically gender somebody um and i didn't like that that was happening clearly there's a good reason um and so i I switched it i've never seen that spelling before um with an a for aaron Mm -hmm. instead of an e um Mm -hmm. but because it was going to even just that pause for a moment just be like hmm i don't know and as far as like i don't know Mm -hmm. which direction to go just Mm -hmm. to make somebody to stop and think um but so i understand there's there's value um to that for sure. Well, and even then, like, it's been a really great way to get someone thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so like we were talking earlier about having conversations with people, like, how do you get started? How do you, you know, do you want to pick it? You know, and I can't tell you how many times that someone will say, oh, I thought you were a man. And then I tell them that story and then they feel stupid. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, but it's not until they really think like, oh, wow oh man, okay. You know, like you got to start somewhere. So I don't know for, for me, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. Keep going. (laughs) I was just saying that I just think it, for me, it's been a way to just personally keep the value of, of equality, you know, like teaching someone else, like there is a reason for this. Like you were afforded, uh, a privilege of having the name, I don't know, Samuel, you know, like that, you know, no, no shade to my Sam's out there, but it's like, if you have the name Samuel, people are going to be like, huh, is that, you know what I mean? So, but, and so I, I've liked that because I've been able to use it in situations. So I don't know. That's been helpful for me. It's difficult, but it's necessary. Yeah. When you said oh. your parents named you Adrian um, in like, you know, societal boy spelling, I was like, wait, what's the stereotypical girl spelling? I was like, oh, it's the 
It's the N-N-E. Is that what you're yeah, talking about? It's like, okay. A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Right. It took me a second. And I was like, oh, yeah, Adrian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I changed my name to AJ when I was in first grade because I just wanted to be different. And because I was mad that I had a boy's name. And then it's funny because like AJ's not any... <laughs> <laughs> and I've just it's just like stuck with me since and so only my family calls me Adrian and they're the only ones that I like to call me Adrian like if they call me AJ I'm like nope mm -mm -mm -mm. or if they call me AJ you know I'm like that's not right I'm Adrian you gotta call me Adrian but <laughs> anyway so um so the first step is become aware how you receive it how you're giving it and the second step is like once you're aware differentially reinforcing those inclusive behaviors you know, like beginning with your own words. You can't control what other people are going to say. Um, although I do think body language does play a role. You know, like if someone is good at picking up on social cues and they start talking crazy and you kind of look down or look away or something like that, like I do think that would be a good natural way to start a conversation if they can pick up on that. Now, not everybody does, but... You know, I, I'm trying to give the audience something that they could do if they if they're not the kind of people that can just straight up say, well, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? Like if you if you just kind of make a face or tilt your head, just like mm, that might be enough for the other person, the listener to say, oh, OK, let me let me become a little bit more aware of what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? They're either going to like start pedaling back or they're going to ask a question. You know what I mean? But it's a good way to you know, differentially reinforce different behaviors, different verbal behavior. So, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Denisha said something during our Thanksgiving episode where even just asking further clarifying questions with the hope that they might hear what they're saying. Like, you know, like, oh, yes. Hear what they're saying yeah, out loud. I love like, that. Hmm. <laughs> Yes, yes. And it's funny because I do that at work all the time. Oh, Miss AJ, um, I was wondering if we could blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, so what you're saying is, and I literally repeat back what they said, and then they go, oh, okay. You know, yeah. and so it's to it could be like totally punishing or a great learning opportunity, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think that's just, and it's a good check to, you know, sometimes we talk. And even though we know that we're talking to individuals, it's like, do people forget that people are actually listening to you? Yes. And we're, we hear you. So we're restating what you said. And then, and now you hear yourself. <laughs> and there's this whole circle of life thing that's happening here. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, that's so true. That's so true. But I think it's a good way, like, like I said, to differentially reinforce it. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. So. The next step is expanding your frames, right? So creating these new pairings, stimulus transfers. So let so let's say like if immigrant is paired with illegal and there's a negative connotation, maybe there was some bad experience, then do some research, go on a community outreach so that you can reform the verbal relation, you know, with some new experiences you can associate undocumented immigrants, um, you know, economic sorry, economic uh, sanctuary. Like you'll have new pairings if you just put yourself in situations in order to have those new pairings. You know, if you're surrounding yourself around the same stimuli all the time, it's never going to happen. So that was uh, something we were thinking about. The other one is uh, is more of an act-based idea 
which is just implementing mindfulness, right? So like, let's say you are aware that you have stereotypes. Okay, accept them. You have them. All right, don't deny them. They exist. But instead of just totally ignoring them, um, just add on to it, right? So let's say that uh, the word immigrant is currently paired with illegal alien other. Okay, fine. All right, so you accept that. That's part of your repertoire. Acknowledge it. But expand your experience with education on different cultures. Like, you know, I had, I'm going to tell the story about this, this client that I worked with for a few years and, uh, his dad was very conservative. He, um, he, he was handicapped. And so we would have to bring his son out to his car. And so we opened the car door and he'd be blaring these podcasts with, uh, oh wait, who am we saying hi to? Hi! <laughs> they can't hear she can't hear you all but oh that's hi. Kristen that's Kristen I'll narrate her she's popping her head out I got I got water delivered she's delivering I'm water struggling up in here like, why can't she get her own water <sighs> okay no Kristen was delivering the water Kristen oh, was delivering water to me yeah. Oh, yeah. oh oh okay I was like that's a little weird all right no 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 judgment, would, but a little, but a little judgment. What would be weird is like, where would Aaron get the water supply while they're right here talking? Oh, right. That's why I was so confused. <laughs> I'm like, man, you're a pro at this. No, I've got water delivery service. Oh, listeners are probably like, what just happened? That's so sweet. Um, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So, so this dude's dad, right? Very conservative, handicapped. So I would, uh, bring his son out to him and you know other people did too and whenever you open the door he'd be blaring these podcasts or whatever with just like super conservative stuff um and there was a time that the director i've told i've told you aaron a little bit uh about her but she is um she's an immigrant from nigeria and she's very uh, culturally aware and a lot of the women on our staff are are Hispanic and so one day she's bringing him out to the dad's car and she opens the door and he's blaring this podcast about building the wall things like that and so she just kind of casually asked him like well what do you think about that I said because and she said because you know most of the staff that we have here are Hispanic like Miss AJ the one you work with she's Mexican and he goes oh well she's a good Mexican so that's okay so is was that good? No, not necessarily, but also kind of because he's he has reframed. He's created a new pairing. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm digging. I'm going for a silver lining here. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but it did make me think like, OK, what? But by his association with me, his positive experiences with me teaching his son. Now he has a new association with what? He may have otherwise considered that Mexicans are only this or they're only that. Well, they're also behavior analysts that work with children with autism. You know what I mean? So it'll take a lot more work for him to get, you know, where he needs to be. But at least it was a place to start. Yeah. So I, I hear the, that, like, add in more um, information inside of that frame. I'm wondering, uh, AJ, and, and you don't have to speak to it if you, um, if you don't want to, but where is then... That adds on to it. Like, I see this person. Oh, okay. Mexicans are not just X, Y, and Z. They're this. Is it that? Or does it just, or is it like, 
and you're not related to this group. You happen mm. to be Mexican. So now it's, is mm-hmm. it like, where does generalization come in um, to the equation? Because it almost can be similar to, you know, tokenization, which is like that yep. one good one. You know, we get to put you above the rest and say like, hey, look, I'm not racist um, or I don't exhibit racist behaviors because I know this great, this good one. Like, you're, yeah. you know what I mean? And so like, what is the good one classified as? And then what are the bad ones classified as too? So. No, I think that, oh, that is such a great point. No, I love that. And I think that it comes to just like continuous exposure, right? So I, I'm i Hispanic and a lot of my technicians are Hispanic and a lot of the other behavior analysts on staff are Hispanic as well. So it's not like just me, the token Hispanic that's okay. You know what I mean? Like he's surrounded by... Hispanic women, you know, and in Houston, there is a very large population of successful Hispanic communities. You know what I mean? So I think that just with continued exposure, you can create that pairing beyond the whole, oh, they're this, but you have the token good one. You know what I mean? Like if you're continuously, I don't want to, if you're continuously exposed to these other associations that it can break down that stereotype. So it's interesting. I think the Dixon article you, you referred to earlier, it, I think it talked about that as far as, um, it, you know, pulling in like, okay, somebody who is middle Eastern can also be a teacher. They can also be a, a, a right. parent. They can also be, right. um, you know, a, a I don't know, a community member of some sort, but, um, but I also think, and I don't know if it was in that article or if it was in another book, they were saying that it also could potentially have the opposite effect where then people start to then take those same things and then put them under that same frame. And I think it all comes back to, it's like, what is their intent? Do they want to grow? Do they want to develop the skill Mm -hmm. and do they, you know, or is it, they're just looking things to confirm their bias you know, and, and mm. I, I don't know, I think it could, it, it depends on who the individual is and it can go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I know that specifically me, I've helped people grow, um, in terms that have been extremely homophobic, mm-hmm. um, and, um, are going to pride parades and all kinds of stuff. So I know mm-hmm. that that's mm-hmm. possible. It's mm-hmm. just, I think it's what other qualities are associated with. I think there's something too, that that has to be um, a characteristic of that person, a value of that person or something mm. like that too. I don't know. Mm. Y'all, do y'all agree or, I mean, I don't know. It could be. I do. Work. No, no, yeah. no. I do. I, I do agree. I think, but I just, I think it's, it's, it's experiences, it's exposure, it's um, media. It's, it's, you're getting opinions and perspectives at all angles and mm-hmm. I think that it has to come with like a value of of learning. Like if you like to learn, if you like to experience new things, then I could see that uh, being a lot, be accepting, being accepted a lot better. But if you have someone that's just generally like, I like what I like and that is what it is, you may not get there, you know, they it more, or it may take them longer to arrive there until they have a personal experience that makes them question. You know what I mean? So, because that's really how it starts with a lot of things is you think something in particular until something happens and then you don't, or you start to question it, right? You know, I mean, just think about like when you're in college and you're like, oh, I was raised this way. And then you're exposed to something. It's like, oh, well, maybe not. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So I think that's why to me too, it's important. Like we can take a functionally analytic approach at this because you are speaking to like the contingencies that are um, Mm -hmm. happening. And so um, there are going to be competing contingencies for people to put more information inside their frames. What gets Mm -hmm. to how you mean you talked about earlier, uh, the invasion, what happens when I continue to uh, stigmatize and put Mexicans in this group as other or alien? Mm-hmm. Who gets to keep control? Like, you know what I mean? Who gets to be considered the the best or whatever? That's just like a terrible word that just came to my mind. No, no, no. I understand. Like the top of the, the hierarchy. And so being you we have to continue to to one recognize that there is a system in place that also <laughs> recognizes like and yes. also recognize like the functions that are behind it. Like people are actually standing um to gain from making sure that you are put to the outskirts or, yes. you, you know, people are considered less than. Yes. And so I'm, I'm going to read something to you that Megan wrote in the original um, talk, because I think it kind of speaks towards what we're talking about here that she, she asked, is it possible that a reinforced verbal behavior repertoire, a learning history and emotionally charged statements of people in power can result in derived relations that immigrants are invading America and must be stopped by lethal force. So you have those three things. And if they are a perfect mixture for someone that is very vulnerable, you say they're invading America, then you can have the people that are acting out with lethal force because they feel like they're doing something about it. You know what I mean? So, but I think that those things, those three things, a verbal behavior repertoire, a learning history, and then you have people at the top giving very strong emotional language to reinforce those things, people are going to say and act a certain way because of that. Yeah. No, I can, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was replaying those three things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. The third bird cage <laughs> is the last word. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I make fun of my husband all the time because like he grew up watching Disney movies and like the appropriate movies you're supposed to watch as a young child. But I grew up watching Princess Bride and Birdcage and Tommy Boy and uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Like, I mean, those those were my movies. So one of my favorite movies to this day is, is Birdcage. And that was like my first early exposure, you know, that like a man can marry a man, a woman can marry a woman. So I basically learned that at like four, um, which I'm totally okay with. Like I have <laughs> no no problem. That's how I was raised. But that's I just awesome. think, I think that that's pretty funny that my parents did a lot of things intentionally and I didn't realize it until I got much older. <laughs> that's a good movie. Robert, it's a Robin great Williams. Movie. Robin Williams is in that too. And then you mentioned Mrs. Doubtfire too, right? Is Robin Williams in Birdcage? Yeah. He's in Birdcage. Okay. Thank you. I'm picturing Nathan the, Lane. the cover. Yes. Thank you. Okay. You know, was there anything else that you wanted to leave our listeners with before we go ahead and wrap up? Take the challenge of assessing yourself first. And it's okay. Like there is no shame if you realize you've been saying something incorrectly. Like no one is going to come to your house and bang on your door and and tell you you've been saying it wrong like that is the very first step is like accepting it and realizing it and then the second thing is like if you feel comfortable picking a place to start to have a conversation with someone else even if for some people that means just like wincing if someone says a certain trigger word 
you know, like giving some sort of feedback, or if you're the person that's willing to pick that battle and say something, then do it. Like it's 2020 and we are still having these conversations. Like it is not going to get better until people change their response. So that is my call to action for our listeners. Love it. Uh, Aaron, do you have any homework? We like to give homework to our listeners. I like it. Yeah. So I think what really struck me earlier was the conversation about organizations um, and whether it's being asked to leave cases or um, them having your back, whatever it is, um, to really take a close look at the organization you're working for or with or in or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, And what is their commitment to that? You know, for me, it's, yes. I, I just w- was in a group the other day and some, a parent had said that they did, they weren't comfortable with the RBT sexuality. And so they, they were having to have sessions, one-on-one sessions in the hallway because the parents didn't want the RBT alone with their kid. And I'm just like, are you, are you kidding me? Like, wh- why are you allowing that to happen? Like what, what message is that sending to, to the person that you're employing? And I, I just like the amount of stress that is associated with um, that. And then you're talking about like internalized depression. And now you're thinking, am I not safe? Like, is there something wrong with me that I, that I'm going to like, I don't know. It's just so figure out, like have those conversations. If, if you're able to, I know it's a source of privilege to be able to, to talk to, Yes. People who run an organization to to say that, but it's just like, find out what would happen if somebody asked, like, would you have my back? You know, where do we, I don't know. Coworker, consider yourself, consider your behavior too. Would you have your coworkers back? If you, if you hear that that's happening at your organization, you know, a lot of times Mm -hmm. we think about the people that are in the positions to make these decisions. And yeah, we should be thinking about them. Because we know the power that comes with it. But mm-hmm. individual coworkers, if if one of your coworkers is being targeted because of their social identity and you're not being targeted, it's likely you hold a position of power. Mm-hmm. So come on. And uh, and I and I really um you Ooh, know I heard I the New York that. there. Come on. <laughs> come on. I, you know. She needs um, she needs her magazine and her coffee. <laughs> I don't have a full <laughs> New York accent because I only lived there for five years, you know. <laughs> Missouri blood anyway so um <laughs> but no it's it's time for you to to say something in in some form mm-hmm. and i know that you know we we do tend to because we recognize that everyone has their own way of responding mm-hmm. um and we can individualize that um but i can't speak loudly enough for individuals mm-hmm. to push past their fear mm-hmm. up because you're resting in your privilege, like to, to yes. make a decision to say, if I'm going to say something right now, because your coworker can probably doesn't have the ability to say something because their job seems to be on the line. Right. Right. And so if they're, if your job is on the line, the level of love that I have for you is now my job is on the line. Cause then mm-hmm. they're not going to take just one person out of here. They're going to need to get us all. And I really am the type of person you all, um, you know, I think I told the story before about me taking everybody with me, but um, <laughs> But no, speak up um, for sure. We need people that are are willing to say like, something's not right. You want my coworkers to go work in a hallway, but I'm not working right. in a hallway. Mm-hmm. Right. Are you actually, are you even just being like, to- so, so we're working in the hallways, right? Because I saw that so-and-so was, so I'm assuming I am too, right? Because right, then he put right, it, right. Then you put it and, then, and then they told the parent that they were going to try to find another therapist yeah. and that that was like a placeholder for that. I'm just like, I just can't even imagine 
you know, is <laughs> yeah. Uh, Imagine being yeah. that second therapist too. Like, oh, you're gonna put me on this case because they didn't want to work with. Hmm. hmm. Right. Like I'm looking just, at just you. wait. Yeah, just wait. Right. It's gonna be something else. Yeah, now it's mm-hmm. gonna be me. Right. And, and remember that. Oh man, I need to find that quote quote real fast. Y'all know the quote that I'm talking about. First they came for. Yes. Mm. Yes. Oh, uh, but not not well enough to quote it. Same. Listen. All right. Oh, but. here we go. First, they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. Um, I think that was the original version. You've seen that in so many different ways. Right. And if you Mm -hmm, want to put that mm -hmm. to today, we have so many different first they if we want to start talking about Trump's presidency, first they came for undocumented. Yeah, seriously. And I said nothing. Then they came for trans military mm-hmm. service people. And I said mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. Then they came for shithole countries, black mm-hmm. countries. And I said nothing. Then they mm-hmm. came for the Muslims and I said nothing. And now they're coming for me. And so it's going to happen. And we need to love and protect one another. We have nothing to lose but our chains. Angela Davis. <laughs> did I just end the show on that? Dang. Yes. Yes, you did. <laughs> I love it. Quite a ride. Uh AJ, love you to pieces. Thank you so much Real. for doing this. I know yes. got a lot out of this because I did. And um come back, please. Oh, yes. we need a round two. Please, please. we need a round two. We gotta. Yes, I would love to. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. Yes, you are very welcome. To our beautiful humans, thank you for being beautiful humans with us. We'll see you on the next show. See you later. It's Tanisha and Aaron. I just wanted to take the time here to let you know that if you're thinking about doing a podcast, there's a way for you to do a show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Yeah, you know, uh, we probably would have never gotten the show off the ground if it wasn't for a pretty easy podcast. So pretty easy podcast helps podcasters get their shows recorded and posted with a complete podcast studio at your disposal. Record from your home or your office or at the park. Pretty Easy Podcast caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. So if you have an idea for a show and you need someone to rely on to help you get it done, go to prettyeasypodcast.com and sign up today. Be heard and have some fun podcasting. You know you want to do it, so go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. Mm